hello everyone and welcome to Habibi Collective podcast. My name is Roisin Kabouni and I'm the founder of Habibi Collective and it's a huge honor to welcome Rotana. Um, Rotana is a LA-based uh, singer originally from Saudi and, uh, and she also she has a new um, comedy series which she is here to talk to me about today. So I think if we just kick off and, uh, and if you can let me know about this new series, how it started, um, what inspired it and, uh, and yeah, give me, just give me the, the, give me all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Hi everybody. Bismillah Um, Thank you so much for having me. Sorry, I'm hearing a bit of an echo. That might be my sound, the sound on my uh, laptop. Um, Okay, it's fine now. So, mm -hmm. okay, I'll let you know if it happens again, but it's fine now. So I'll start over. Assalamu <laughs> um, alaikum, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Ratana, as you said. I'm, I'm from Saudi Arabia. I was born and raised there and then moved to LA uh, coming up six years now. And yeah, I have a new show it's a straight to camera educational comedy series um on uh sexual education and pleasure and eroticism and shame and body liberation and really all of these things that i wish that somebody had uh spoken to me about educated me about um and for me uh you know so the show is called fucked and blessed and uh, it's called Fucked and Blessed. Uh, it, that was birthed about five years ago, actually, with my dear friend, Dina Shahabi, who uh, is also an artist, she's an actor. And we were having this like shared moment of misery of feeling, you know, we both had an incident that had happened with our parents that um, really restricted our expression and made us feel a lot of shame and, and, and guilt um, and just like a really heavy load, which was, which is kind of as an artist and a liberate, you know, a woman that is, that is liberating her body and her existence as an Arab Muslim woman for so many of us, uh, that is like ev every single decision that you make seems to be like a gruesome negotiation of, of like, how will this affect my whole tribe? And, the, you know, so the show is called Fucked and Blessed because I, I, we feel and I feel fucked to come from a, a culture that is still very new to accepting um, feminine power, to accepting change, to accepting protest, all of these different things, to accepting the fact that we have sexuality. Um, but also I feel incredibly blessed because I also come from a culture that really understands ritual and the sacredness of of everything that we do and the importance of intention and that's something that i feel here in you know my life in la I, I, yes sex is everywhere but that intentionality and that deep feeling underneath it all um is not in a lot of places so that's where the show's name came from <laughs> and um yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take pauses because I can literally talk about this show for 500 years. So if ever, I'm just gonna pause for a second. If there's anything that you want to interject on, 
Yeah, um, so let's talk more directly, I guess, about sex education and what you are trying to get across, because I assume you're, you're speaking to young women from the region, uh, primarily, I guess. Um, uh, and I think sex education is obviously very different uh, back home in the region than it is in the West. Um, sure. And just for example, like I, I was around a cousin's house a few months ago and, and I was on my period and we were watching Friends or something like on TV and I was like, um, do you have a tampon? And then she was like, no, I can't wear tampons because I'm a virgin. And right. like, I wasn't, you know, obviously this is a myth, <laughs> the, the, the sacred seal or whatever, but it, it really, you know, and, and, and she's in her, her 30s. So it really made me think that, you know, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't, you know, shocked and I didn't find it funny because it's just the reality for yeah. many women. And I, maybe it's different now for a younger generation in schools, but I, I doubt it. So um, I guess, what was your experience of sex education when you were growing up and how yeah. did you change that? And, and even, um, if we can talk about after, but you know, how do we, you propose we go about sexual emancipation and are there any particular misconceptions like the one, the example I use that you really want to address right now? Yeah. Well, I'll first start by saying that my experience with sex education was that I had none of it. Like literally, you know, I grew up uh, at a time when the Saudi school system was very different than it is now. It was incredibly, uh, like the only mention of sex was, you know, it is sunnah, uh, it is sunnah to, uh, to bear children and, you know, you must please your husband and you don't get married till you have sex, period. Um, we didn't talk about anything. There was no sex education. Um, and so I was completely lost and left to my own devices and really operating on a lot of shame because anything that is made secret becomes shameful that's like it that's it's just like moist ground for shame to just like multiply um so i you know and that is the reason that i made this show because i was like holy shit i literally do not know how many holes i have like i did it, it happened this one day where i was like somebody we were talking i was talking about but like how many holes we have in our body and it registered to me that I had literally never stopped to think about it. I, and I didn't know, it's not something that I could answer off the top of my head. And I really spent this, but that wasn't the beginning of the journey. Really the beginning of the journey started when I was, uh, I would say like as young as 13, because I have always been connected to my sexuality. I have always had this connection to my body and I've under and in the privacy of my own room, you know, I would I would crawl and move and gyrate and I would feel the I would feel a power that was inherent in that. And I had this innate understanding that there was something really powerful going on in my body and it and it affected the way that I related to myself and to God, but I couldn't articulate this because you know, there was no language around me. And so I just felt a lot of shame about it and I kept it secret. And, you know, fast forward to me making the decision, taking the leap to move to America, starting to be more um, expressive and really step into uh, the truth of, of how I want to express myself. 
the amount of the amount of shame and cognitive spiritual sexual dissonance that I was feeling on a daily basis of like I'm expressing my sexuality and and you know my erotic aliveness uh and yet I also believed that I was the worst person in the world and you know harming everybody I, I loved and I was going to hell and so fucked and blessed is really so that led me to a lot of reading and studying and tantric workshops and really trying to get down to the belief that I knew I had, which was our sexuality is good. It is, we are born with it. There is nothing wrong with it. We are nature. We are not separate from nature. Our sex is nature and we are nature. And so um, that's really why I made Fucked and Blessed. And, you know, I call the show I call the show sexual education, but I really want to preface um, all of this by saying I am not an expert. You know, there's some really incredible, uh, there's some really incredible people doing awesome work. One of them is, uh, what's her name on Instagram? Like this mother being, she is a sex educator, right? She's like a licensed sex educator. That's not what Fucked and Blessed is. Fucked and Blessed is me stumbling through all of this, everything that all the facts that I present are fact checked and and accurate, yes. And also I really wanted to voice in the conversation that wasn't fully actualized. You know, that was really, I wanted to show how difficult it it is to even talk about some of these things out loud. And so my approach to sex ed, although yes, like as you were saying, there are some episodes that I felt were absolutely necessary to talk about. Um, one of them, as you mentioned, is just like the myth of the hymen and, and, and the destructive industry of hymen reconstructive sur surgery. And, and uh, so there's that, you know, and there's another episode where I, I talk about um, arousal non-concordance, which has a lot to do with sexual assault, which means, you know, your genitals can be, um, like if you have a vagina, you know, you can be wet or if you have a penis, you can be hard, but that does not mean that you are enjoying what is happening. And that is something we all, and vice versa, you know, you can be enjoying what's happening and your genitals are not reflecting that physiologically. And so, yes, there are episodes that are addressing things like that. And my primary um, desire is to take a different entrance to sex education and say, Instead of, even though I had none of it, but most sex education that is available is based on fear. You know, you're going to get an STD, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to, you know, it's super scary. And for me, I want to reframe that and be like, what would it be like if we focused on enthusiastic consent? We understood what consent means. How do you give? How do you ask? How do, what would happen if we focused on how to ask and be proactive and be advocates for what we want. What would sex and our relationship to our sexuality be like if we knew what a yes felt like in our bodies and a no felt like in our bodies and all these different things. So like I'm approaching sex ed from these, from, you know, these back doors that I feel we're not focusing on. Um, so there, yeah, so I'll stop there and we can kind of pick up. Yeah, a lot of, um, and I mean, as you touched on your, 
the way that you talk about sex education is not necessarily from a, from a, an academic or you know framework it's talking through your own subjectivity through your own embodied experiences and through your own body and you really centralize your body and everything that you do um and i think that's you know natural given that we all have such different experiences with our bodies as women um but i think always there especially in the region there is a, a misconception around feminism and representation whereby one person usually is expected to speak for and represent all women and this Oof. is true <laughs> i mean this is very clearly i have things about that yes um yeah, and I mean, with, with Arab women who, who's, you know, are, I mean, I'm a Syrian, but our bodies have been, um, have been represented by men for, for centuries. So, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of understandable how, how people aren't even used to seeing even one representation of, of, of how a woman's body functions in, in public space. So I guess, how do you navigate between expressing your experience of the world as Rotana and how do you, um, and the pressure to speak to and for other Arab women who might have totally different experiences yeah yeah uh it's really difficult like that's this is such a it's actually such a tender topic for me because obviously i have i want deeply to speak to my people and, and i want deeply to to be to be relatable and i don't want this content to be or my content in general to ever be <clears throat> too jarring that it'll turn somebody away before they can hear the message, right? And, and as an artist, and this is just me, I truly believe that this, the, I think the minute I start to worry about how this content is going to be uh, received, it's a little bit different with Fucked and Blessed, but for example, for, with my art, with my music, um, I've really thought about this for a long time and I've come to the conclusion of I cannot be concerned about how my art is going to be received because as soon as I do that I start to make it inauthentic. I am now trying to please somebody. I'm try That's not my job. I believe and this is a personal belief that our jobs as artists is to radiate our truth and how it is received is none of our fucking business and that is not you know, that's not the most, uh, that's not the most business minded way of thinking <laughs> of things. Or even, you know, if my goal is to, is to reach as many people as possible, probably also not the smartest thing. But this is where, you know, my stubborn artistry comes in is like, I think that the most powerful messages are the messages that are born, uh, like, that, that are just pure. Um, and so, and I, you know, and at the same time with Fucked and Blessed, I really, I did everything that I could to make sure that this, this content reached as many Arab women, women identifying beings, queer people as possible. I really, really did that. Um, and I hope it does. But I think it's an incredible amount of pressure that I have just accepted. I'm, I'm never going to be for everybody. I constantly get critique of like, oh, you're dancing around in a leotard and you're, you're, and, and, and by default, you're, you know, you're, you're excluding all of the women that are so, con that are super conservative. And I, my answer to that is always why, <laughs> why, why must you feel excluded just because I'm so drastically different from you? That's 
gorgeous. Like, let's be in the same space, all the more reason to be in the same space. And I just think it's an unrealistic amount of pressure for any of us. Like, I, I refuse to be the voice of all Arab women, like, for fuck's sake. I cannot. I can't. Yeah, that's so true. And it's something that I experienced a lot through Habibi Collective as well. Um, and, and, and I mean, something that you say is about like, you can't please everybody, you know, that links directly back to the idea of pleasure. Because yeah. I mean, with, with sex, like, you know, we talk so much about about pleasure, but it's never centralized on a woman's pleasure. Um, and I mean, it's almost like that is a perfect analogy to talk about this sort of how, how sexuality is perceived in, in public discourse. You can't please everyone in the same way that, you know, you need to focus on your own pleasure during when it, when it comes to your body. Um, when it comes to your body. Yeah. And I, I really, I love that point. Thank you so much for saying that because I really want to clarify that Fucked and Blessed is first and foremost uh, a show about self-pleasure. This is, I like, I literally have zero interest in talking about sex with a partner. Like go, that's not, I have zero interest. My, my interest is how do I get into right relationship with my sexuality? How do I feel empowered in my body? How do I learn what makes me feel good? How do I learn to operate from a place of like orgasmic fuck yes, not just in the bedroom with myself, but let that translate to every single area of my life and you know Audre Lorde the author feminist um, and scholar talks she has an essay called the uses of the erotic the erotic as power and she makes this argument that when you start to really feel the sense of you know through self-pleasuring of erotic aliveness of completion of full satisfaction that shit penetrates your whole being and then it makes you it makes it so difficult to settle for suffering in other areas of your life. When you start to really operate from a place of, I fill up my cup first, and then I give from the overflow. Yeah, for sure. And I think when we are talking, I mean, that's, that's just so interesting how pleasure and sexual pleasure, it doesn't just, you know, it doesn't just affect your sexual life, but it penetrates <laughs> to see the pun like uh, it penetrates all, all yeah life uh, all, all areas of life um and and knowing knowing self-pleasure and um i mean it's something that even predominantly being in schools in the west that i i don't think even there that you know women's um pleasure or women's sexual pleasure pleasure was uh, centered and and weirdly it was only through i think when i started having sex that like i started to be like oh wait hang on why aren't like yeah. I? Why aren't I having orgasms like every time we have sex? Yeah, through that negation yeah. or through that absence that I think I came to that position when I where I knew I had to set up again. And I think that's true for a lot of women. Um, it's through like a yeah. um, and and it's hard to articulate that. I guess to it's something that you know we can talk about, but only can really understand through personal experience um yeah absolutely yeah and the, the way that you talk about your body is so it's so personal um and you you know you're really really brave in that you're making yourself very vulnerable um and you're not talking through analogy you're talking through yourself and um and i guess you know how does that i think there is definitely a place for it online obviously with the whole body positivity movement um but how do you how do you deal, I guess, with, you know, people who, who aren't so, um, because 
I think being a being a sexually liberated woman from the region, um, at the end of the day, whether you're advocating for it or not, there's you know a lot of hurt that can be experienced as well. Um, and I mean, even you're choosing to are you you're going to show self kind of publish or self stream the the series, right? So, like choosing to yeah. put it out there as well on social media, like how does social media have a role in in sort of body positivity and sexual liberation emancipation or where where can we critique it tell me tell me that question again tell me that question again okay so with attention to how the way we experience pleasure is so personal and then the way that you express your pleasures in such a personal way and you're making yourself very publicly vulnerable and you're really putting your right you know, out there, um, how do you then, um, I guess, use social media positive, like ineffectively towards like body, body positivity and towards your own emancipation? And then also how do you, I guess, deal with the other side of it? And how in short do you navigate social media um, as a tool to further um, women's emancipation or sexual emancipation? You know, it's like, it's such a, you, I, I feel so vulnerable putting this show out. And the truth is I really have no, I have never done anything like this before. So I don't actually know what the response is going to be. Um, what I know is in releasing my art and, and you know, my music and my music videos and, and snippets of my live show, there's been so much, there's been, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of critique and a lot of people that are deeply offended and a lot of people that are deeply disgusted. And I have really done my best to not turn away from those people and to really engage in heartfelt dialogue. Because what I am trying to show is that it is absolutely okay for two people to disagree and to think that, you know, I have no issue with somebody thinking that I'm blasphemous so long as they speak to me with respect and the door is, you know, there's a heart, there's a heart centered conversation. However, I have had to start developing boundaries where when I see that someone is coming in with the intent of harm and, and, and has no intention of listening, I block and delete. And I used to, I used to get a lot of, you know, don't do that. You know, that'll affect your algorithm and da, da, da. and now I just, I literally, I don't give a fuck because uh, it affects, you know, there's this, uh, there's uh, an incredible human being that I love. Their name is Prentice Hemphill. I talk about them in the show and they say, a boundary is the distance at which I can love myself and you simultaneously. And when I have people that are that are in my inbox or in my DMs or in my comments with the intent of harm, I cannot love myself. It's too much of a vulnerable wound. I already, you know, I have all the cultural upbringing that like, it's just too much for me. So that's kind of where my boundary is. Um, and we'll have to see what happens with Fucked and Blessed. Although I think energetically, I'm in a much different place and I think that really affects things. I think there was a part of me that subconsciously, when stuff like that would happen, still believed that I was wrong and that I deserved harm uh, in some way because what I was doing was sinful or shameful. 
uh, and now I don't. So we'll see. But I do have boundaries now, and I'm not afraid to, you know. Again, I it's not the best uh, business tactic or like reach everybody tactic, but I just I set boundaries now, and I, I refuse to let these people follow me. Yeah, and it's it's so important to set boundaries, and um, and dialogue is important as well because I mean I get a lot of hate. I think a lot of people who are just putting themselves out there, women from region putting themselves out there, get get a lot of messages, and and it really um. And it's just also trying to focus on how much kind of amazing community building is also happening um, and how yeah. you're inspiring so many women at the same time, you know, despite all of, you know, these people, whatever, like the, there's so many women who are being inspired by what you're doing and have been for a very long Absolutely. time. I mean, you have a huge trajectory of of accomplishments and work and, and, and all of it's really inspiring. And I guess my next question ties to how how does uh, fucked and blessed i guess sit within your kind of your music um your your music career and like how i guess it, how has fucked and blessed kind of come out of of that music career yeah you know if you if you listen to my music uh or hear me talk about my live show um the central themes are really you know, freedom, sexuality, belonging. And again, like Fucked and Blessed was not something that I, I really created it as an offering. I had uh, zero aspirations for Fucked and Blessed. I was going to just like, you know, post it on my uh, IG casually. And then all of a sudden I, I saw that I really had something on my hands here and it deserved more attention than that. But I think that as artists, um, it's no longer, you know, the medium is, I have a message and that message is we are wild. We are nature. We all deserve to be free. You must follow your pleasure and your orgasmic fuck yes. And that is the highest service to this world. And I understand all of the cultural shit that comes under that. And that's my, you know, that's my music that you'll hear that you feel that in, in my words and the way that I move my body. Um, and fucked and blessed was really an extension of that messaging, but in a form that I, I, I hope will be a lot more digestible for, for people that are perhaps shocked by my music videos and think that, you know, a lot of people seem to think that my attitude is like, you know, this is me and fuck you. And, and uh, I think that's so funny because I'm so the opposite of that. And I think in Fucked and Blessed, you're going to see a lot of, you know, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of stumbling through, a lot of fear and hesitation. And, and so, and then there's also education there. And so it's a supplement, you know, I don't even see it separate from my music. I think it's all to the same thing. Yeah. And that message that you have is, you know, really it's it's really radical just the the way that we cannot achieve freedom without the liberation of women's bodies and of course because sorry i'm just so passionate about it but it's like what you said is so important because imagine like if we believe that our bodies are bad which most of us even if you don't like on surface level if you dig deep enough most of us believe that our bodies are bad. And if we believe that literally the base of us, the, the, the home that we are inhabiting is bad, how on earth 
Can we operate from inspired action? How on earth can we ascend to our creativity if we believe that the base of us is bad? Like it's so dangerous. And shame is just huge. Like it's no matter, even when we're, you know, grown up, there's still really inherent shame that I think yeah. is really hard to navigate in the diaspora as well, because um, yeah. I've been in situations before, and I think especially with queer identifying people as well, queer relationships has been like the, you know, you're simultaneously operating in, in a kind of community that is based on sexual liberation, but also sometimes in the West can be hostile to cultures that, yeah. that is not a reality. So being with, for example, white or Western partners who don't understand why I or whoever cannot speak to parents or family about them and then yeah. things like this um where shame, shame just dictates it's, it's not just a feeling or response it actively dictates who you go who you go for in terms of a partner yeah. or how you yeah. treat your body or how you just yeah. navigate life you know yeah the yeah yeah absolutely and the agency you know like the thing is uh sexual energy is I believe one of the most powerful energies in the world, perhaps the most powerful energy in the entire world. It is literally life force energy. It is the energy that creates life. There is nothing more powerful than that. And I think that, and especially for women, <laughs> we make life. It's the thing that the cosmos were made of. Like that power, if truly inhabited, will completely change everything it will it will just like it the world as we know it will be gone and i think that it is the amount it like don't be fooled we should none of us should be fooled and we're not but the amount of suppression and oppression that exists is directly correlated to the amount of power that lies underneath all of that there's a reason that we're so oppressed mm -hmm. there is a reason and i just like i want us all to remember that <laughs> yeah yeah, there, there truly is. But um, I think we just keep forcing against it. And, uh, and, you know, one one barrier at a time, it can be it can be broken through, but it's not easy. And but I think it's not at all a great place to start. Um, and especially, um, I think also, from from what you've been saying, like a lot of a lot of what you're saying resonates to women in general and i i i, gen I generally believe that you know the more kind of localized and the more specific the better and you are localizing all of this knowledge through and through the embodiment of, of your own bodily experiences but i think you speak much wider than um than to a, a muslim arab woman audience like from from what you're saying you're speaking really to everyone to all women um and to all women identifying or non-binary folk and um and i think that will be really powerful and i really can't wait for people to to share in that um Habibti, thank you and how so how can people um how can people watch it and when is the release so you can watch it on my igtv that's where it's going to be released and it'll drop on may 20th so we're just a few weeks away and uh yeah we'll, we'll drop uh, two episodes every week for the span of two months um or about two and a half months, there's 15 episodes and um, it's gonna be great. So yeah, just my IGTV is at I am Rotana, R-O-T-A-N-A. Thank you. And hopefully as well, it will um, be able to take an offline form. I think it would be really interesting to see that too. Um, and I think yeah. 
I mean, when COVID um, <laughs> lifts, hopefully there'll be an option for that as well. But thank you. Very Hell yeah, that's in the works. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Habibti. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening and I hope you have a nice day or evening.